What's something that most people don't know about the Michigan ABC? That we are probably nonpartisan. I know that sounds strange, but in this world, we, we advocate on free enterprise principles. We advocate for free and open competition. Small businesses are the backbone of the American economy and here in Michigan, but only 50% will make it five years in business. On Mitten Money, host William Zank will focus on helping Michigan-based business owners with the tough questions that will help them succeed. How do I expand my business? What options do I have for retirement? How do I move forward? Having worked with small business owners throughout his entire career and with excellent attention to detail and strong analytical skills, William Zank of TriStar Trust will unearth answers to these questions and more. You can subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at TriStarTrust.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the first episode of Mitten Money. This podcast will focus on helping Michigan-based business owners find the answers to the tough questions that will help them succeed. This week, we're excited to have on Jimmy Green, who is the new president of the Associated Builders and Contractors of Michigan. For those who don't know, ABC is one of the nation's largest trade associations with over 69 chapters nationwide, which represents over 21,000 members. Without further ado, welcome Mr. Green to Mitten Money. Well, thank you, William. I appreciate the opportunity to meet with you. Well, thank you for taking some time out of your day. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What made you initially interested in joining ABC? Oh, wow. You know, I have a pretty, you know, it's funny how you go full circle. You know, I grew up in Flint, Michigan, and I had a pretty dysfunctional childhood, but I was, I guess, rescued, if you will, by my grandparents. And my grandfather was a independent trucker who was very independent and labor. The unions tried to organize him and he was fiercely, fiercely opposed to that. And so he always had this merit shop mentality and merit shop being just what it says, merit shop being more entrepreneurial, controlling one's own fortunes. My grandmother on my paternal side was the first black businesswoman in Flint and she owned and operated a funeral home. She was also a Republican when it wasn't unusual for black people to be Republicans in the 50s and 60s. And she worked as a liaison for government affairs for then Governor George Romney, Mitt's father. So you can see that it's interesting how it comes full circle because years later, I helped run Mitt's campaign here in Michigan when he ran for president of the United States. So how I got involved in building and contracting was more about the spirit of ABC, that being a proponent and advocate for free enterprise. Well, that right there was the hook and or the bait and it just hooked me right in. Well, it's very interesting. And so talking about, you know, more recently, 2020, while it's been a very peculiar with COVID, has been a really good one with construction, with residential and also commercial projects all around in the community. So could you discuss what's been behind a large boom in construction? Sure. There's a lot of money out there. You know, let's face it, rather, regardless of what people's politics are, people like money. And so, you know, we had a robust economy coming in out of a recession where a lot of people were still kind of collecting their wares, thoughts, their strategic plans about either renovating or purchasing new or building from the ground up. So a lot of decisions were made years ago that actually came to bear in 19 and 20, for that matter, where people just pressed go on some of their building opportunities. And, you know, let's face it, too, we've got a, a huge infrastructure issue here in not just in Michigan, but across the country. Those are builders and contractors as well. We tend to look at it in terms of lumber or steel, but quite frankly, you know, it's pavement. There's so many different rich industries and expertise in the building and contracting industry as a whole that you can almost, when you're driving around, and it's funny because I'm one of those people who likes orange cones because orange cones means building, it means contracting. You know? So I'm patient when everybody else is upset with them. Um, 
But that's primarily why there was this economy was rich, full of money. It's interesting because when we went into COVID, there was a shutdown and there's still a demand out there. And I imagine as the vaccines become more readily available, you're going to see a pretty robust 2021 and going into 2022 as well. So there's still pent up demand and you can just see it in the orange cones. And so you actually bring up a good point relating back to infrastructure spend. Do you see more of 2021 in relation to infrastructure? I'm sure everyone's familiar with roads, but would you say anything else is a particular issue within Michigan with infrastructure? Oh, yeah. Let's face it, too. Here's something that's interesting. You know, we have an infrastructure as it relates to water. The Flint water crisis obviously created a sort of an audit for municipalities to look at decaying audits or decaying infrastructure. So we're starting to see some demand there. We have aging buildings, too. And with money available, you're going to see that. Here's another point, too. Because of COVID, now you're starting to see a different kind of build. So now people are more concerned about the heating, ventilation, air conditioning side of that as COVID is spread through the air. So we're starting to see that demand. Spacing. What used to work doesn't work anymore. So now you're starting to see school districts, for example, space out. Those are all renovations. Those are all the different kinds of things that involve plumbing, steel, electrical. So those different specialty trades all come to bear with this building. So we see an industry that from the bottom up, that being rolled all the way to the penthouse, is pretty impressive. So we're excited about our opportunities moving forward. Yeah, that definitely sounds really interesting. Now, shifting the focus a little more within the organization that you help lead, what are some of the benefits that you can offer for some people who are already members of the ABC? Well, for the members of ABC, it's interesting, even for those people who aren't and should be, we advocate on behalf of a free and open competitive environment. That's the biggest thing for us. We look at the opportunity to bid on contracts as a taxpayer, a true governance, if you will, of taxpayer monies. And that to me is what any elected official should be responsible for. First is the fiduciary responsibility of your dollars, my dollars, and anybody who pays taxes. So we advocate on behalf of that. We want an environment where people are able to build safely, obviously, just because somebody's low cost doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best builder. So we certainly work in that venue as well, too, creating the best builders out there safely on time. Those kind of things are what we advocate on behalf of. But workforce, too, that's another piece of this. There's a human side of this, not just the infrastructure side, but we advocate for young people who want to come into the trade. So we've worked with legislators on the education side to ensure that high school juniors and seniors in particular have access out to the trade. So we have a partnership there as well, too. So it's really about talent. It's about opportunity. We advocate on behalf of ex-felons, for example, who come back out into the workplace. They're looking for jobs. We certainly want to provide opportunities for them. People who work in other industries who may be underemployed because of discrimination. So whether that's minorities or LGBTQ citizens, for example, I advocate on behalf of them coming into the industry as well, too. So you can see we're a little bit more than just a building association. We truly do impact the communities that we serve in. I always say that we're the people who build communities, but that's because we are the community. And so within your new role of being president, would you say some of the advocation for some of those different issues are some of your main goals, or do you have any other goals you'd like to add within that? That's funny. I just had a conversation this morning and I have with several other alliances that we tend to work with. But again, it goes back to making it, you know, when COVID hit, we were the first industry to go back. And that's primarily because we were a template for safe workplaces. But because of that, sometimes you get a chance to look a little bit deeper and go, yeah, we're safe. Can we be safer? 
So advocating on behalf of new safety practices, working with groups like MIOSHA, for example, or the Department of Health and Human Services, and even crossing political lines. You know, look, when you're on a scaffolding 40 stories up, you're not a Democrat or a Republican. You're just you're a scaffolder who wants to come down safe. So you don't have conversations about taxation and discriminate. You just have conversations about coming down safe. So there's no union or non-union issue there. It really is about safer workplaces. And then that creates a safer environment for us to build in. So education, workforce development, and business development, taxation, those are things across the board that we certainly work on behalf of. And those areas, they are really wide. I just kind of gave you four big baskets, but in those baskets are a whole lot of little issues that ultimately rise to the surface. That'll be very interesting. What is your own philosophy on money? So money for me is about safeguarding. It's about accumulation, but it's really about character. I don't care how you shape it. There are people with little money who have great character and people with a whole lot of money with no character whatsoever. So money for me is really a definition of one's character. And it doesn't matter how much or how little you have. Ultimately, just like character with people with no money and they go rob a bank. Well, you know what? You can say I did what I had to do, but it doesn't make your character better. Makes you got pretty lousy character. So that's what money is. Whether you have it or not, money is that definition of character for me. What you do with it is what I look at money as a opportunity to reveal in a person. Who are you? Who are you? I think money is probably the best indicator of who you are than any other tool. Oh, sure. You know, and when you think about character too, I mean, you could have people, it's like the book, The Millionaire Next Door. So I think just using your example, if you had bad character, I think it could lead to being more pompous with your money and potentially being more greedy, which could make you maybe not so wealthy if things don't turn out well. We've seen that example time and time again. We've also seen better examples of people who have great money who become secret Santa Clauses. And so people who are philanthropic, you know, I always tell people this when they talk about taxing the rich and things of that nature. I'm like, be careful of that. Because when you look at these foundations that are handing out grants, look at the foundations that are supporting United Way, Underground Railroad, Shelter House, those donations don't come from poor people. And that's not a slight on poor people by any stretch of the imagination, but it is an indicator of people who have had wealth, who have had money, who contribute to ensure that agencies that support people without money still exist and that they are sustainable. So it's important for people to understand that, that Money doesn't always look the way you think it looks, but every time you go and you need something and that resource is there, well, that was supported by somebody who had means to an end. Do you have a favorite local charity that you support or a philanthropic organization? Shelter House for me. Shelter House and the Underground Railroad, two homes that support and put domestic women who have been domestically abused by spouses or or men in general. Although we've seen cases where men are actually abused as well too. But for me, I come from that past, so it's not a volunteerism for me. It's a passion. It's It shaped my experiences, quite frankly. And so an opportunity to give back and make sure that women have a means to an end, that they find a sense of independence is something that I'm very, very passionate about. So those two, I mean, there are lots of nonprofits that I've sat on boards with and helped raise money with, but those two are probably near and dear to me. I lost a sister who was murdered as a result of domestic abuse. And so, yeah, it's not a volunteer thing for me. It's a who I am. Again, like I said, sometimes things shape your character and people get a better sense of who you are through your advocacy and your volunteerisms. Oh, sure. Those are two wonderful organizations. For myself, I'm from the Midland area, but when I initially joined TriStar, uh, John Pickleman here at the bank is very involved with the Underground Railroad. So I've found out so much about that great organization. I've been their champion for three straight years. I emcee their annual event. 
and would have last year had it not been for COVID. So I'm their, their master ceremonies for their annual fundraiser. Tells you a lot. So John and I've worked together quite intimately on that program. That's wonderful. What's something that most people don't know about the Michigan ABC? That we are probably nonpartisan. I know that sounds strange, but in this world, we, we advocate on free enterprise principles. We advocate for free and open competition. We don't make a distinction as to what political party people belong to. We're a membership association that's made up and we have union members in it. You know, most people look at us as a non-union organization. That's not true. There's nothing in our mantra, our advocacy or our principles, our bylaws that suggest anything of the sort. So whether you're labor involved, that being in the union or non-union, or maybe you're independent or a residential builder, I think what we do escapes the eye because some of the other things we do are kind of like these big things. And so everybody thinks that's all we are. But I spend every day in the offices of Democrats and Republican legislators, both local and state and federal, advocating on behalf of a free and open building competitive environment so that everybody can participate in it. We are open for workforce development for a wealth of folks too, like I mentioned before, minorities, LGBT. We advocate on behalf of groups that most people don't think about, or maybe they don't see us as visible as other organizations, but we partner with more organizations than people can ever imagine. Oh, that's great. That's great. What does it mean to you to lead an organization that has such historic ties, not only to the nation, but to Michigan too? It means everything to me. You know, I've been here 13 years leading ABC's advocacy. For me, it's a reward back to my grandfather who didn't have me as an advocate. My grandfather probably would have had many more opportunities. He had a scrap metal business working in and out of Detroit. I always know whenever I was advocating on behalf of discriminatory practices against people like him back in the 60s and 70s, I always feel him on my shoulder. I always do to this day. And so for me, it couldn't be a better honor to do the work that my grandfather, I'm the guy I wish my grandfather had. Let me put it that way, if that kind of puts it in perspective. So when I started in banking, I had a mentor who told me, Betty Pickleman, and she was my I loved her to death. She was this English woman who sat on a throne in our branch and she just commanded the Fashion Square Boulevard area, which was really thriving and growing at the time. And she taught me a lesson. You know, she talked about depositing back into the community. She got me so engaged. Harold Evans, Henry Marsh, they kept telling me, invest in the community, invest in the community, invest in the community. And you can understand this, William, because you're in finance. She'd always say, deposit, 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 because at some point you're going to want to withdraw and never ever overdraw your account. And she was talking about the community. So my volunteerism has been a deposit, a deposit, a deposit. And so on occasion, I've had to withdraw from it. And I still feel like I, I still got a lot of equity in, in this community and I haven't come close to it overdrawing my account yet. <laughs> That's a very special way of putting it. What are your thoughts on saving, whether it be for retirement or other life goals? It's vital, you know, because we, we never know, you know, think about COVID. We're in that environment right now. Think about people who lost their jobs. I can tell you right now, there isn't a single person right now who was laid off. And it's not just restaurant people. There are tons of people who were laid off who could sit back now and say, dang it, I wish I had saved a little bit more so I didn't have to watch for a direct deposit from the unemployment office or have to sit back and wait for stimulus money. There's one person I would dare anybody to point to one person who right now wouldn't say a year ago, two years, three years or four years, wouldn't have said, I probably should have put something away for these moments. Well, God bless all of us that we don't have COVID next year. But what if we do? What if there's another thing? Who knows? So when you talk about saving, I mean, 
Two years ago, this conversation probably would have been shaped completely different because it would all have been about supposing. It would all have been about assumptives. Not now. This is like real. We're here. And all those people still laid off, mind you, probably wish they had saved a little bit more. I don't know anything more succinct, more clear, more definitive than that right there, than the world we live in right now. No, it's definitely a good point. What are some things that you like to do in your free time? <laughs> What's free time? <laughs> I, I'm a voracious reader. I'm a movie buff. I want to, if there's such a thing as reincarnation, I want to come back as a movie critic so I can spend my days eating popcorn and watching movies. I could watch movies all day, every day. I really could. Matter of fact, when I'm working and I'm doing papers or anything of the sort, I'm studying things, I always have a movie on in the background. Typically, I watch something that I've seen before because then I, I know when to look up. I never watch anything new when I'm, when I'm really concentrating. So I'm a movie buff through and through. Biggest Prince fan ever. I probably, there isn't anything that Prince made in music that I don't have. Behind me are Prince pictures. I have more. I think it's safe to say, and this is sad to say and embarrassing to say, but since this is public, I'm truly a Prince groupie. So, uh, <laughs> so those two things probably more than anything. I collect Prince memorabilia and I'm a huge movie buff. So I guess three things to kind of ask for that. If you were to kind of put everything down and had to give one book recommendation, one movie recommendation, but then also one, one Prince recommendation, what would those three different things be? Oh, wow. I know it's a tough question. <laughs> that is a really tough question. I tell you what, the, for me, the best book, if somebody wants, God, it's, it's so tough because it would almost be industry driven more so than anything. But I, I will tell you that the book that probably had the greatest influence on me was My Life by Ronald Reagan. I joined the Republican Party on Ronald Reagan principles. That's my favorite president ever. And I read his book and man, I just I just fell in love with it. And and it, they were his notes too. So these weren't third party. He talked about where he failed. He talked about what he could have done over. But he just made me so proud to be an American and more importantly, more proud to be part of the Republican Party then. Not so much now, but then for sure. And a movie, that's that's really, really tough. It's almost impossible to answer. But I will I will say probably the movie Always. Most people go, huh? Always. Well, it's a movie by Richard Dreyfus and, and uh, Holly Hunter. And it's a movie about a firefighter who dies and he has to come back. And it's funny, but there's a part of this movie all throughout the movie. You're thinking to yourself, wow, I hope that happens. Well, I wish that was. And then that's buttress up against a movie that was made the same year called Defending Your Life with Albert Brooks, which is what happens when you die and you go to the middle ground the audition. Now you have to defend your life about either going up or going back down, but not going to hell. That was the best part about the movie. The movie was about going back to earth and getting it right. So those two right out, you know, most people say the Godfather and all these other things. Yeah, they great movies, but those movies that make you think, I mean, I never wanted to be in the mafia. Okay. You know, I love the Godfather, but I didn't want to be in the mafia because of it, but always and defending your life really made me think about me, about me and that those two movies right out the gate. If anybody ever tells you their favorite Prince song, then they are not a Prince fan, by the way. That's my answer to that. That's an impo that is more impossible than the movie and the book. Oh, really? So I'm wow. not going to give you an okay. answer other than that. <laughs> if they can tell you their favorite Prince song, they are not a Prince fan. It, that, that is impossible to do. And you have a time constraint. 
No, that, that is completely fine. I feel the same way about some of my favorite musicians too. So that is completely fine. And so for people who want to learn more about the Associated Builders and Contractors, what are some good resources for people to learn more about them? It's abc.org. That gives you uh, insight to our national presence. And we have 69 chapters across the country. And it goes to show you that uh, while we have one principle, we have different markets that we do. And then abcmi.com would give you some state resources as to where we're populated, issues we work on, and a list of our members as well, too. And so we're up to about 25,000 members across the country as well, too. So we've yeah, we've grown considerably over this period of time. So we probably should up, upgrade our websites. <laughs> and just one last thing on that. Could you expand upon who some of your member base is, not for particular people per se, but particular industries that you represent too? Sure. We, we represent general contractors, the big general contractors, and, and you're broadcasting this in Midland. So, you know, like Three Rivers would be an ABC member, for example, Wall Gas. J.E. Johnson, Answer Heating and Cooling, Great Lakes Construction, Sugar Construction, those local companies right there, RCL Construction, those are all general contractors for the most part, heating, ventilation people, electrical contractors. We've got a number of uh, insulators, GE Insulation, for example, does a lot of commercial work in there, Valley Electrical, Blazy Electric. And I'm just talking about in those areas in particular in the Midland area, but you branch out all across the state. We've got Pioneer, Wolverine, huge. It's too many to name. We have 1,100 members here in the state of Michigan alone. They encompass everything from flooring all the way up to general contracting. So plumbing, there's anything. Like for example, at the local chapter you're at in Midland, they, they teach 11 different trades there from pipe fitting to electrical, sheet metal, you name it, and they teach it. So it's a very, very broad industry and we have members in all of those. Well, perfect. Thanks for expanding on that. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Mitt and Money. If you haven't already, please rate and review our podcast. Additionally, please subscribe so you don't miss when a new episode drops. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Mitt and Money, sponsored by TriStar Trust. Subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at TriStarTrust.com. <laughs>